Towards the end of the parsha, Yosef's brothers are being accused by the messenger of Yosef for stealing Yosef's goblet. And they say to him, Basically, there's no way we would have done such a thing. What does this word Khalila mean? Rashi brings two pirushim. The first pirush she brings is, Khalila is from the word Chulin. This would be considered profane, unholy for us. Lashen Gnai, it's an expression of a disgrace, says Rashi. Then Rashi says, the Targum Unkel says, Chasla Avodecha, that may Hashem have pity on us from doing such a thing. Similar to the expression of the Gemara, Chas V'Sholim. The Rebbe's question is, earlier on in Parshas Vayera, in the story where Hashem wants to destroy Sdoim, Avram Avinu turns to Hashem and says to Hashem, would you kill a tzaddik with a rasha? And he uses this expression, And Rashi says over there the same idea, This would be considered profane, this would be considered mundane for you to be acting in such a way. So the Rebbe asks, why is it that in Parsha's Vayera, Rashi doesn't find it necessary to add after that this is a Loshan Gnai, a Loshan of a disgrace. Where here Rashi needs to add these words that this is an expression of disgrace. Also says the Rebbe, why isn't this first Pirush enough? And Rashi needs to add the second Pirush that Khalila is associated with a general concept like Chas V'Sholomi Hashem have mercy on us from doing such a thing. So the Rebbe says the explanation is, because in Parshas Vayerom, Avram Avinu is speaking to Hashem. Now Hashem obviously only does holy things. He's not involved in anything that's unholy, in anything profane. And therefore, just to use the expression that it's this would be considered mundane weekday for you is enough of an explanation to say, wow, this has added a question for Hashem to be acting in this way. But in our parsha, when we're speaking about human beings, we're speaking about people, Yosef's brothers. So just to say that this would be considered chulin, this would be considered mundane for us. Well, what's the problem? People do mundane things. That's not explaining why they wouldn't steal. So that's why Rashi says that it's a Lushan Gnai, it's an expression of disgrace. That in this case it does mean it would be disgraceful for us to act in this way. Why isn't this Pirush enough, says the Rebbe? Because after all, who would it be disgraceful for to act in a simple or mundane way? If you're speaking about someone of a very, very high caliber, of a very high status, you would say to act even in a mundane way is considered disgraceful. But here we're speaking about the Shavotim, who didn't establish themselves that they're people of such a high caliber, of such a high level. They're trying to tell a goy, Yosef's messenger, oh, we wouldn't do this because this would be considered chulin, this would be considered mundane, this would be considered weekday. Well, why is that a problem if you're acting in a weekday thing, in a mundane way? And this is why, in other words, they should have said outright, this is disgraceful for us, not chulin. And this is why Rashi brings another Pirush that it also means an expression of chas v'sholem, Hashem protect us. Hashem would have surely watched over us. We should never, we would never do such a kind of thing. Now, the Rebbe is going to focus now on the Hayra, but mainly from this first part of the Rashi about being chulin, that as far as the Shvatim are concerned, and this is also the way they're viewing that the Goyim should also look at them that way, the concept of chulin, of acting in a mundane, weekday, simple way is completely out of the question. And says the Rebbe, the Hayro over here is, that every Yid needs to be like the Shvatim. Although we know, the Alter Rebbe says that Yidin, every Yid needs to be like the Avais. Because the Avais and the Avais of all of Klal Yisrael, so their Avoida is Shaykh to all the Yidin. Shvatim, well each Shevet has its unique path, its unique thing, and not necessarily everything from each one of the Shvatim is Shaykh to every Yid. 
But in our case, says the Rebbe, since this is something that's coming from the group of Shvatim as a whole, that they're all saying, this would be considered mundane for us and therefore disgraceful, this message does have something to shaykh to the avoid of each and every yid. And the Rebbe explains that a yid needs to know that his whole essence is all kedusha. A yid and chulin and mundane things are two different worlds. He has no shaykhs to them to the extent that being involved in chulin, in mundane, is completely dis- disgraceful. And the Rebbe says this is something not only be- because of the pnimiyas nefesh, but it has to be revealed to such an extent that even a, a goy should be able to appreciate this idea that if it's chulin, this has no shaykhs to a yid at all. It's completely, completely disgraceful. I, what about the idea that a yid needs to be involved in the world, and needs to work, and needs to be involved with mundane things? That's not that the yid should lower himself down to those things, it's all about the yid should elevate these things to the highest state of Kedusha. Through Koma, Sechel Hashem Shemayim, doing everything for Hashem's sake, getting to know Hashem through all these things, elevating to the highest forms of Kedusha. Now how is a yid really shaykh to this? That as he is standing involved in the world and yet he's remaining aloof and removed to the world to the extent that he can elevate the world. And if he's just involved in the mundane for itself, that's a gnai that's a disgrace. Says the Rebbe, this is coming from the fact that that's the way it's by Hashem Kavayachol. That even the lower level, so to speak, of elikos that are involved in, in the creation of, in, in creating the world and in judging the world, etc., even the lower levels of elikos that have some sort of shaykhs to the world is completely always remaining, not impacted, not affected, not changed by the world, always remaining in its state of holiness. And therefore, by the yid as well, even as he's involved in the world, He's completely, completely higher than the world, and that itself is what gives him the ability to transform the world and to make it holy. Says the Rebbe, this is also connected to the whole general theme of the Parsha, which is really the very last things that are happening and causing that Yaakov should end up in Mitzrayim, which is the beginning of all the Goliaths. Because we all know the famous Pisgah of our Abayim, that only our body was put into Goliaths, but not our Neshama. Our Neshama was never given into Goliaths and never given over to the nations to have power over. Says the Rebbe, so when could the Golas have any sort of power over a Yid? It's only if the Yid is giving some sort of importance to the Guf. The Guf is what went into Golas. In other words, when the Yid is making a deal out of the Guf, out of the Gashmias, out of the Chulin, that's when it's possible that a Yid could be in Golas. But if the Yid remains with that attitude, that Chulin, that the mundane is something completely disgraceful, that he's on the Neshama level, then the Golas could never have any sort of power over him whatsoever. And the Rebbe says that we could say that this is actually the reason why this story with the goblet is the very last thing that ends up leading Yaakov to Mitzrayim and his children to Mitzrayim. Because the actual fact that the goblet was found by them, although unintentionally, that itself is showing that to some extent, ah, they were shaykh to the Gashmias, to this chulin that's a Loshen Gnai. Even though, of course, again, it was unintentional. Says the Rebbe further, just like it's regarding every single year that the Bepnimi is that Nisham has no shaykhs to the Golos. And he has to obviously impact the Guf in that way as well. Says the Rebbe, the same thing is true with the Golos as, as a whole. That the whole purpose, the Abish to send the Eden into Golos is only for the Aliyah, for the ascent that comes out of the Golos. We know that it says that right by the Churban, it says that Moshe, the, 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 that Noilad Moshe and the Redeemer, the Savior of the Eden was born. That means right at the beginning of the Golos is already emphasized that it's all about the, what's supposed to come out of the Golos is the Gula. And here again, this is what the Yid's Avoida consists of. 
that he has to make sure that it's always being felt what the Pnimius is, that the Yid's revealing his Neshama, and that he's higher than the Golos, and what the, that the whole point of the Golos is all about revealing godliness, and revealing that the whole point is really about the Gula. In a very interesting way, the Rebbe now moves on to another Rashi in the Parsha, but is going to explain the same idea of Golos and Geula within this Rashi, that right at the beginning of the Golos, you need to see the Geula. So what does the Rebbe say? The Rebbe is focusing now on another Rashi, where the Shvatim are arguing to, to Yosef and saying, man noimar, man edaber, man how can we justify ourselves? This word Nitzadok, says Rashi, is from the word Tzedek, but there's a tes in the middle of the word. And Rashi gives different examples where we find this Shoirish, that starts with tzaddik, where you have a test coming into the word. Then Rashi moves on to other words that have a tough also in the middle of the shoyresh, a tough that's coming to, that's coming to give the grammar of the word that's coming in the middle of the shoyresh. And Rashi gives a few examples of words that start with samachs and shins. And Rashi goes in that order, first giving some examples of words that start with Samach, and they have a tough in the middle, then with Shins. And then Rashi finishes off with another word back to Samach, the word that says, Mistoilil Ba'ami. Hashem says to, through Moshe Rabbeinu to Parah, you are still Mistoilil Ba'ami, you're still tre- treading on my people. And here's again that situation where it's the Shoirish is more Samach Lamed Lamed, or Samach Lamed, and... Um, as Rashi, we're going to see in a moment, where Rashi gives the, the the word for it, and and Rashi says there's a tough coming in. So Rashi says the word mistoilil is from the word derech loisalula. Derech loisalula means an untrodden path. So the Rebbe first of all asks why is this example of samach coming all the way at the end after the we went through already examples for the samach and then for shins and we're back back to samach. So why is it all the way at the end and why isn't it together with the samachs? Also says the Rebbe, when we compare this Rashi to the actual Rashi on the, in the place in Pasha's Veda where those words appear, Mistoilel, the Rashi gives a different example. Rashi says it's from the word Misila. Misila means a highway. Also says the Rebbe, why does Rashi say Derech Loi Salula? He could have just said the word Salula. Why does he have to say Derech Loi Salula? So the Rebbe explains this all, al Derech Harem is related to the point that we were speaking about. The Rebbe says the difference between Parshas Vaira and Parshas Miketz is in Parshas Miketz we're speaking about going into Golos, whereas Parshas Vaira is the Mako is happening and it's all about the Geula. Says the Rebbe, in Parshas, in Parshas, in Parshas Vaira, Rashi tells us that the word Mistoilel is from the word Mesila, which means the highway. In other words, that this is already the road to the Gula, this is the beginning of the Gula. That word Rashi actually uses from the Pasuk related to the Gula. Mesila, a highway for the Yidin to go to the Gula. In other words, we're already on that path to the Gula. Even though, as far as Paro is concerned, Mistoil Bami is treading on the people, not letting them, that's only because he doesn't realize that we're, that the Yidin are already on the way to the Gula. So that's why Rashi uses that expression over there. Whereas in our Pasha, where's the beginning of Golos, this is where the problems are starting. Rashi says it's from the word derech loislula. In other words, it's an un, un, not a treaded path, an untrodden path. They don't read that because at this stage it seems like it's golos. Says the Rebbe, but nevertheless, they're both pirushim on the same word, mistoilel. Because really they're all connected. That even while it seems that it's an untrodden path, even while it seems like it's golos, Really, it's all about the path, the highway to Gula, going to, going to the Gula. And that's why Rashi uses 
for the expression In our parsha, which is only going to Golos, he uses this expression of Derech and says the Rebbe, now we can also understand why Rashi brings this only at the very end of the Pirushim, because this is the very end of the Parshim, Miketz over here, he's trying to tell us at the very end of what's going on in these Parshis, Vayeshev and Miketz, which are leading, which are leading to the Golos, we need to realize that Bepnimius, it's all about Geula. Says the Rebbe, the same thing is true with this very last Golos, that when Ayid needs to sense and feel that the whole need of Golos is only Bechitzayinis, is only an external thing, but Bepnimius, he's always higher than the Golos, and there, and you have already the inyanim of laosid, and that itself brings that the pnimi should be revealed. The gula mitzvah shleima, aidei mashiach tzedkeinu bekariv mamish.